Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1178. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Coda, where he's racing a Porsche Cup car, Lance Bergstein. Lance, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am strapped in and ready to go. All right. Lance is a race car driver. Lance, his passion for cars existed throughout his entire life, but it was not until he was 20 years old and done playing competitive tennis did he realize his passion and talent for racing cars existed. Lance has competed in VLN endurance races at the Nürburgring, multiple 24-hour races throughout the United States and Europe, as well as being a regular in the SCCA Hoosier Super Tour Spec Miata field. Lance is also a 28-year-old type 1 diabetic who has to manage his diabetes 24-7. But that challenge is exponentially greater when racing at the wheel at over 150 miles per hour. Lance credits organizations like JDRF and the technologies like Dexcom that enable him to continue to pursue his dream of high-level auto racing. Lance continues to be a car enthusiast on and off the track, and when he's not in his car or on a racing simulator, he works in the real estate industry as a developer. So Lance, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little more about your racing, your career, and a very obvious passion for going really fast? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I grew up in a family where my father was an automotive enthusiast, not always owning the cars, but always the subscription to the magazines and showing me what he thought was cool, whether it was something contemporary uh, or historic. So unfortunately for me, there are blackmail pictures that my parents have of me as a child (laughs) doing embarrassing things with toy cars. (laughs) So it started, it started at a very young age. And as you mentioned, Mark, I, I grew up as a tennis player. So I was not one of those kids who was five, six years old in a go-kart, although reflecting on it, I hold that over my parents' head every day because I'd probably be (laughs) doing something very different than real estate development had they done that. But as I sort of realized that I not only had a passion for going fast, as you mentioned, but also a little bit of talent for it, my racing adventure evolved a little bit. One of my good friends is a professional driver, John Miller, and he was instructing for Skip Barber years ago and Mm -hmm. was actually able to get me what they called the friends and family discount. It made it affordable to go do a three-day racing school. I did it as a bucket list item, thinking that this would be really cool, and it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I ended up turning laps that were on pace with what the regional racers were doing for that weekend. So at that point, it got to be a little complicated because it was fun. I was good at it, but I had no idea the cost of racing, and how in the world that would be funded. So it started there, and I quickly got into Spec Miata, which is what the affordable racing option is nowadays. And fast forward years later, and a lot of great experience in that field. And I've been fortunate to compete over the pond in Europe uh, at the Nürburgring VLMs and 24-hour races. And I'm sitting here in a hotel room in Austin uh, getting ready for a 24-hour race in Coda. 
And meanwhile, uh, you know, as you mentioned, doing all that, which is difficult enough, trying to manage, you know, the car at its limit, I'm managing my health as being a type one diabetic as well. So that's kind of been my journey through automotives and, you know, a little bit of life itself. Yeah, very cool. We're going to learn a lot more about your life and the fun that you're having and how you manage uh, diabetes. But first, I want to hear a little bit about a success quote or a mantra, something that's important to you, something that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So Lance, take the wheel. So being an automotive enthusiast, a lot of, I think my thinking has been formed around people that in one way or another connected to cars and uh, no one better than Henry Ford. And, you know, it must have been 10 years ago. I saw a quote from Henry and it said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And for me, (laughs) that speaks to a mindset. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in there's always a way to get something done, even if there's an obstacle, but it's about your approach, truly believing not only in yourself, but you know, believing in the world out there that there is a way to get that done. And the second that you even start to let failure creep into your mind, you're going to steer in that direction. So that's a quote that's always resonated with me and, you know, really guided me, whether it's come to, you know, passing a car in a braking zone or, you know, making sure that my blood sugar in the car is being controlled correctly, or even that racing a car, you know, as a type one diabetic was remotely possible. Yeah, yeah. I love that quote. It's a great quote. And you're right. It's uh, one of those things that uh, if you go into it with the right mindset, you can accomplish pretty much anything you want to accomplish. And so many people say, oh, I can never do that. And you go, well, you're right. You can't if you have that attitude. But do you want to? Well, if you want to, then you can. Let's figure out a way to do it. I love that quote. It's absolutely fantastic. In fact, for a long time, I used that as a part of a salutation on my emails to people uh, because I like that so much. Well, let's go back in time a little bit and talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars and racing. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were going to be a car guy and maybe even a racer? Pivotal moment. I always enjoyed going, you know, years ago, my father had uh, an E30 M3 when I was five years old, when they were still uh, what you would call contemporary cars. Regretfully, he didn't hold on to that because that probably would have been a better investment than others that he's made (laughs) over the years. But I always enjoyed going for rides with him. And I I think there was always a thrill of the acceleration and the sounds of a vehicle and, you know, even the smells, you know, in the sense that that were part of it. And I think for me, it was a, an ability to bond with my father and B, there was just an innate passion of something with four wheels and something that was capable of, you know, inducing adrenaline, but really an amazing machine from an engineering standpoint. Uh, So, you know, thinking back on that, I think that's where it started. And then from there, that was, you know, the building block when other things in my life converged and, you know, cars played a role in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, E30 M3, awesome car. I've got a good friend here where I live in Gig Harbor. Actually, two friends that have E30 M3s. Uh, Dr. Bill, my good buddy, Bill Morris and uh, Douglas Peterson, they both have beautiful cars. I love those cars. And when those cars came out, they were like, whoa, this is like a race car for the street in a sense uh, because of what they were doing with those cars, the way they were racing them and touring programs around the world. So, yeah, those are really, really sweet. I'll have to go find you one of those and uh, get one of those in your garage. Absolutely. And a testament to them is they still race them. You know, Specky 30 Racing is uh, some of the best yep. stuff out yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. They do a lot of it up here in the Pacific Northwest as well. 
Well, what I want to do now is talk about some of the challenges and maybe a failure you face, but more of the challenges, because one of the ways that I'll let our listeners know that uh, Lance and I got connected was through a, a nice lady named Ayana, who is at JDRF and uh, technologies, using technologies like Dexcam, Dexcom, I should say. And uh, these are two groups that I know help you, and they help a lot of people who challenge and have to deal with type 1 diabetes. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how this affects your ability in life and also in racing, because that's a whole other level here. I mean, you got to be spot on. So uh, a shout out to Ayanna for putting us together and uh, maybe walk us through how this has been a challenge for you and getting into a car and doing, because you're, you're racing some serious cars. I mean, today you're at Coda, you're in a Porsche Super Cup car. That is no slouch of a car. Those things all but. So talk to us a little bit about those kind of challenges that you face. Yeah, so I, I've been a type 1 diabetic since I was five. So, you know, we're going on 23 years. And over the course of 23 years, you see technology evolve both on a therapeutic area and a, a medical device area as well. And if I was 28, 23 years ago, I certainly would not be doing 24-hour car endurance races. And mm-hmm. the thing with type 1 is it's really a balancing act. It's being able, it's taking an extra step with everything you do. So whether it's going to the movies with your friends and having popcorn, right? There's another act of saying, okay, well, I need to figure out how many carbohydrates are in this popcorn. How is it going to impact my blood sugar? Where's my blood sugar now? What kind of insulin injection do I need to take to account for it? And while this may, you know, become second nature in my life now, it's really a math equation that gets run constantly. So it's easy is not the right word, but it's, kind of formulaic and regimented when you want to do that for popcorn in a movie. But if you're talking about going 150 miles an hour in a race car, there are kind of two things that come into play. There's my own safety, but almost more importantly, there's the safety of the other drivers that are out there. Because as a race car driver, you always want to win, but there's that fine line between doing something that endangers your fellow competitor and mm-hmm. being aggressive. And as a as a racer, we're all aggressive and we all want to make that pass for the win. But we certainly right. don't want to ever put someone, you know, in the back of an ambulance or God forbid something worse. So I'm fortunate that we live in a time now where technology is incredible. So JDRF is an organization that funds research for type one diabetes. Their money over the years that they give towards research grants, I have seen both the impact on the therapy side where there are new insulins that allow you to control your blood sugar better, but also on the technology side. And one of my sponsors for the 24-hour race at Coda this weekend is Dexcom. And Dexcom is what is called a continuous glucose monitor. So you wear this tiny thing on you. You can wear it on your abdomen or your arm. And you get a live feed of your blood sugar and where it's going. And you can view it on your iPhone. You can view it on um, the receiver that they provide. Or you can view it on your Apple Watch. So now How I'm cool sitting in a that? room. So the yeah. way it started, yeah. So the Apple Watch is kind of new, but the way it started is I would mount the receiver on my steering wheel and I could see where my blood sugar was going. And if it started to go low, which is the most dangerous thing that it could do in a race car, I have two straws mm-hmm. in my helmet. One has water for, you know, obviously hydration and the other has juice and the juice can boost my blood sugar. And if I see it going downward, I can actually drink juice before it ever goes low and before I ever feel the effects of that. Whoa, now, that is that is so cool. Yeah, it's pretty amazing stuff. So now, you know, I was sitting in a race car today and Coda has two very long straights and you know, I'm looking down at, you know, my gauges and checking my water temp and my oil pressure and my oil temp. And then I'm looking at my Apple Watch and seeing, you know, my blood sugar as well. And it was 
you know, fine at the moment, but the ability to be in a race car and monitor not only where my blood sugar is at that point in time, but where it's going and be proactive about it was unfathomable five, six years ago. But it's really technologies like that that allow me to do it. Now, with that said, there's a lot of preparation that I need to take before getting into a race car. I know meals that work for me before a race that will not do anything crazy to my blood sugar. So there's just a little bit of extra planning to figure it out. But I think, you know, going back to that quote that we spoke about a little while ago, for me, it was never a matter of, I'm not going to do this. It was, I am going to do this and I'm going to figure out how it's going to work. And it's certainly challenging, but I can tell you that, you know, finishing a race, especially a 24 hour race is incredibly rewarding. For me, I I was always inspired by other one, by other type one diabetics out there and to get messages, you know, on my Instagram or on Facebook from other type ones out there that are inspired to go do something they're passionate about. That's kind of the ultimate reward, you know, the, you know, my result in the race aside. So definitely a challenge, but definitely I, I think whether someone's a type one diabetic or something else, I think it's a testament to if you want to do it, there's a way, even though it might take a little bit of sacrifice and hard work. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's an interesting correlation for me here about a race car driver who's monitoring all the gauges in their car. And then adding that other very important gauge, and that is your blood sugar levels while you're driving. I mean, it's, it's it's almost, I would think, intuitive in a sense because you've lived with it for so long, but also being a race car driver and knowing you've got to always monitor these gauges. You have to know where your oil pressure is. You have to know where your water temp is. I mean, you have to know what everything is doing because if you let any of those get beyond their limits, low or high, you're going to be in trouble. And the same for you and your body. So uh, that is really, really cool. Uh, Fantastic. And I can see how there would be all sorts of other great ways to use that in different sports as well for people who uh, deal with type 1 diabetes. So very, very cool. Shout out again to JDRF and Dexcom. I'll make sure I put a link to JDRF on Alance's show notes page so those listeners out there can go and check out what they're doing. Absolutely fantastic. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call kind of a career aha moment. Maybe it's in your racing career. Maybe it's in your development career. I don't know. Maybe it's just in your life. But is there a big aha moment that came to you that kind of gave you a new direction? I I think for me, professionally, racing aside, I've always been someone who believes in working smart versus working hard necessarily. Not that they don't go hand in hand, but... I've worked for people and I've had people work for me who, you know, encourage extremely long hours versus being efficient. And for me, when you start to think about how you can utilize your resources and things that you have around you to be more efficient and leverage that, I think for me, that was a big aha moment because it frees up some capacity and some time to really think big picture from a strategy perspective. And I think people get caught up a lot of the times, you know, and I'm speaking, you know, a little narrow-minded from the corporate world to an extent, but, oh, I got to, you know, I'm working really long hours or I've been at the office all night. And, you know, my question is, why have you been at the office all night? Have you been at the office all night because you've been thinking of a new way to approach the real estate development industry? Is there a particular market that's lacking where you see an opportunity? Or have you been there all night because you have an adequate, adequately leveraged your resources and you've tried to do too much on your own versus whether it's delegating or leveraging other people's knowledge and experience as well. Um, I'm extremely in favor of asking questions and not asking the same question necessarily more than once, but other people have a lot of knowledge and experience out there. And I think for me, like my aha moment was 
really learning from others and taking a step back. And I'm not always the best at everything and I'm okay to admit that. And when you're able to accept that and you want to work efficiently and you are okay with being a little bit vulnerable to leverage others, I think, you know, a better product ends up coming from you and you free up a little bit of, you know, brain capacity in your head to get creative and entrepreneurial versus just processing things. Sure. Absolutely. You know, I was just watching some shows the other day that kind of touch on this, and that is how people who are super busy manage their time. And people, let's say like Elon Musk or uh, Jeff Bezos or even the president of the United States, I mean, how do these people get all the things done they get done? Well, obviously, they have a lot of great people around them. That's the one key thing. They don't try to do it all, and they hire people who can do things that they can't do very well, that they can have done better but they manage their time really well. So they're not sitting there all night long. And that's the big thing I think with a lot of this is how do you utilize every minute of your day and how do you manage your time? Are you efficient or so forth? So great. Aha. Let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special car. Is there a first car in your life that had great meaning for you? Yeah. um, It's actually not my first car. My first car, not as much significance as you would think for an automotive enthusiast, but a few years back, I actually purchased a Lotus Evora S. Oh. And for me, I'm a big Lotus fan. And the Evora was a little bit more practical than an Elise. But for me, you know, going back to how my passion in cars started, my father actually flew with me to Pittsburgh to go pick it up. And we drove back from Pittsburgh to New York City. And for me, that made the car extremely special just from that initial memory. But, you know, again, I'm sort of seeing that passion for cars that we've both shared and that instilled in me or, you know, at least gave me insight to at a young age, you know, sort of following through, you know, 25, 23 years later, whatever it is. So every time I drive that car, it's special because A, it's an incredible piece of automotive engineering, but B, um, from a sentimental perspective, it, it always kind of grounds me in my roots as, you know, an automotive enthusiast that, you know, it was instilled in me by my father. And, you know, we got to share something pretty cool on that. Yeah, that is very cool. Well, you'll like this, Lance. I used to race vintage cars and my first vintage race car was a 1960 Lotus Formula Junior, an 18. There you go. uh, Very different from your Vora, of course, but uh, it was a great first start because it really felt like a race car. Uh, it wasn't super fast. It was really a momentum car, but uh, for somebody just starting out, it was plenty fast for me. Uh, but it was sure fun. I mean, you really felt like you were in, or you know, it's a single seater, open wheel uh, engine in the back, about a thousand cc Coventry Climax engine in the back. It was it was a great car. Loved racing that car. It was a lot of fun. Sold it to a guy named Mark Green in England too, which is pretty a weird thing. Wow. So it, <laughs> ended up, ended up going ended up going back to the UK. Is there a car you've sold that you've let go that you really wish you had back? I don't think so. I, I think for me, cars will always play a special role in individual parts of my life, but I get a little bit of joy out of selling them to someone else to enjoy. I hate, and I don't mean any disrespect to anyone that collects cars and lets them sit, but I kind of, I'm of the belief that cars should be driven and people should be enjoying them and making memories yeah. and, you know, becoming you know, really in tuned and, you know, becoming one with their car. And, you know, when I sell a car, it's it's always, you know, a little sad in the moment, but there's never been remorse mm-hmm. in terms of getting rid of it, particularly because the few cars that I've sold, you know, I'm only 28, so I don't lose sight of that. But I've always been picky about 
who the sale went to. It wasn't always necessarily the highest offer. Um, and I've made sure that they've gone to places where A, they'd be take care, taken care of and uh, maintained <laughs> well, but B, people that would really enjoy them. And yeah. I've owned some peculiar cars, so including a 1990 Buick Riata. So even weird stuff like that, oh, I've made okay. sure that yeah. you know, it's gone to homes where people uh, are going to enjoy it. A B- 1990 Buick Riata to a Lotus Evora. Yeah, that's quite a swing. So very cool. I love it. Well, what has you excited and fired up right now about your racing? I know, like you said, you're calling in. It's the evening here. Uh, you're calling in from Coda. You're going to be racing in a 24-hour race in a Porsche Cup car. I'm, I'm jealous. That sounds like a lot of fun. But uh, what has you excited and fired up about the future? You know, we're towards the end of the year here. The new year's coming up. So uh, what's coming down the road for Lance? Obviously, Coda this weekend, it, it's exciting, and it will be my first 24-hour race in a Porsche Cup car. But in talks to put together something a little bit bigger for next season, I think there'll be some U.S.-bound racing, but a few more appearances overseas. Um, there's no secret that for any car enthusiast, the Nürburgring is kind of the holy ground, and racing in VLNs is a particularly cool thing. So don't yeah. be surprised if you see me over there a little bit more, but I'm quickly getting hooked on the, uh, the 24 hour races. So we're mm-hmm. putting together a couple deals now or a couple offers with a few teams for some 24 hour racing and Beck Miata, as I mentioned, will always be a staple of my racing. I don't care if somehow I got a formula one ride, which will never happen. I would still race Beck Miata because the camaraderie is incredible, but the amount that you learn from a racecraft perspective when you're in an evenly prepped car and you get 85 of them racing around Sebring nose to tail is completely irreplaceable. So yeah. some European stuff, some stuff in the U.S., and then, you know, definitely some Spec Miata when I have a free weekend. Very cool. Oh, wait, the phone's ringing here. Uh, hello? Oh, it's Ferrari. They're looking for another driver, but they say you can't drive a Miata if you're going to drive an F1 Ferrari. Are you okay with that? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely no not. There you go. Standing by your guns. I like it. Absolutely. I like it, Lance. Uh, well, it sounds like an exciting future for you, my friend. That is very, very cool. Well, here's a very introspective question for you. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifested into a vehicle and you were parked in a garage, what kind of car would you be and why? I think I'd be like a... Uh you know, like a Baja dune buggy. Uh, oh, cool. And I think, uh, you know, I think as, as we touched on, those things will kind of conquer any obstacle throughout the desert over the long course of that race. And they really adjust uh, to the kind of conditions that they're driving in. And I think for me, mm-hmm. you know, my life has been a, lo- a lot of adjustments and certainly overcoming obstacles. And I think like, you know, other than you know, the obvious answer of me wanting to be a McLaren P1 because it's just awesome. If it it was actually from, you know, a relatable perspective, I think, you know, a Baja dune buggy is kind of something that doesn't look pretty on the outside, but it's really scrappy. It doesn't, you know, succumb to obstacles and, uh, you know, it gets the job done, you know, really efficiently and, you know, on a nice edge. There you go. I like it. You know, I had Myers, the maker of the Myers Manx uh, on my show, Bruce Myers, uh, not too long ago. Uh, the guy who really started all that racing down there. And as we're recording the show, I record shows in advance. This coming weekend, they're going to be racing down in Baja. So uh, I like that. That's a good correlation to who you are and what you're all about. Great. I think you might be the first one, except for maybe Bruce Myers. Of course, he's going to be a Myers-Banks. I mean, he's got to. The guy's been, he's 93 years old. He's been doing this for a long time. 
Well, Lance, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Lance, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You've been in this position many times, I'm sure. The white flag's out. Time to put your foot into it. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive or racing advice you've ever received? Leave common sense in the garage before you put your helmet on. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. Leave common sense in the garage before you put your helmet on. I'm going to need you to clarify that a little bit. Because I would think if you're going to race, wouldn't you need some common sense? Or do you just put that aside and go for it? To an extent, but uh, your mind starts to play tricks on you. Some of these cars are getting so technologically advanced that when you think you really need to get on the brakes or you can't go through a corner that fast because your mind won't let you, you have to leave that in the garage because, uh, you know, aerodynamics and just, you know, the technology really involved in these cars, it plays tricks on your mind and you really got to fight that and, you know, kind of leave it in the garage. Okay, that makes sense to me. You know, I've had a bunch of uh, IndyCar drivers on the show. Johnny Unser was on not too long ago. Lynn St. James, Ari Leyendak, his son, Ari Jr. And several of them said the same thing. The first time they went to Indy and that track, their common sense going into some corners said to lift. And their coaches are going, no, 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 no. You don't lift in a corner here. You can't. And they're like, but how can the car do it? How can it stick? So that 
common sense, you're right, needs to be left back in the garage in that sense. So I understand now. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes? I, to this day, have a whiteboard in my bedroom, you know, with personal goals and a way of achieving them. And uh, the goals are uh, not stagnant. They're constantly changing. But I am someone who believes in waking up, looking at your goals that you want to achieve really pushes you to actually go and pursue it. Ah, I love it. I love it. Now, about a resource. There are a lot of great resources these days. Is there one you'd like to share with our listeners? I mean, obviously, you know, go to JDRF's website. I think it's really cool on what they're doing for type 1 diabetes. Um, I think, you know, to the extent that anyone wants to go and donate a dollar or two is great. But uh, from a racing perspective or an automotive perspective, the best resource out there is certainly eBay. Uh, I couldn't tell you how many hours I spend on eBay looking for my next purchase. Dangerous place, that's for sure. I've sold a lot on eBay too, though. I call it turning trash into cash. but. Uh... Yeah, it's a great place. I bought some cars, motorcycles, all sorts of things from eBay. And I've sold some things I can't even believe people actually bought, but they did. There's uh, somebody who wants your stuff out there somewhere around the world. If I could uh, wave a magic wand and arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, racing industry, living or deceased, who would that be? That's tough. Honestly, I think it would be Paul Tracy. I have this. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, he's just... Uh, you know, he's commentating now a little bit, but his attitude towards racing and, uh, you know, he raced IndyCar into a pretty old age and he just seems like a really cool and funny guy to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be fun. And he was a pretty much a, a, a pretty aggressive guy too. I mean, back in racing yeah. days, <laughs> he, he kind of pissed some people off once in a while, but you know, I, I liked his spirit. I thought it was fun. He added a, another uh, flavor uh, to that whole IndyCar group, I think. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to sit down and talk to him too. I need to give him a call. I'd be love to get him on the show. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you'd like to share with our listeners that you think is worth reading? So I, I actually just finished, when I stop talking, you'll know I'm dead, the Jerry Weintraub <laughs> book. Particularly incredible story. You know, Jerry, obviously very successful in Hollywood, but really hustled and had no connections in the way he got his foot in the door. I don't want to spoil the book for anyone. It's truly inspiring. And sometimes it shows you how you have to think outside of the box in order to get something done. Just being conventional and linear in your thinking won't always get you there. And uh, it's a really enjoyable read. It's you know pretty casual, but really motivational and inspiring at the same time. Well, good. Well, that's a book that has not been recommended here. So that's pretty amazing considering your guest number 1,178. I'll remind our listeners you can find all these cool resources that Lance has shared on his Cars Yeah show notes page. There's another great place on the website called Guest Recommended Books under the Resources tab, where this book will be listed for quick, easy clicks to buy, along with the way over 1,000 books that are listed by all my other inspiring automotive enthusiast guests. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Lance. This is a fun question, but it can be a bit of a doozy at the same time. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car, or maybe it's a vintage race car, Something kind of fun to park in your garage, but there's a couple rules to this game. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other stuff with. You have to drive it, but I don't think that's going to be a problem for you because you like to get out and drive. But it's the only cool collector car or race car you can have in your garage. And we'll take the cup cars and the stuff you race out of the equation. You can keep those, of course. What can I buy you today? That, that's, that's a really tough question. So many things come to mind. You know, on the one hand, I'd I love I know. you know a fossil Vega. 
But on the oh. other hand, uh, hey, now that's a unique that's a unique request. I've got a good buddy here in Geek Harbor, Brian, who uh, loves Fossil Vegas. Um, that's a very unique car. I, uh, nobody has asked for a Fossil Vega yet. I don't know something about it, but I, I mean, I think if I were going to answer that genuinely, it'd be hard for me to say anything but a McLaren F1. <laughs> it's just as a car enthusiast, a car that was ahead of its time and incredibly unique. It's really hard to get around that. Yeah. Well, I've had a few people ask for those cars. I got to tour their facility when they first built those cars. It was pretty amazing because I was importing Facom tools into the U.S. to sell them. And Facom was a sponsor for McLaren, their F1 program, and the McLaren F1 streetcar. And I uh, got to go and they were putting actually a set of those into those cars. But yeah, McLaren F1, that would be that would be pretty cool. What color would you like yours to be? White. No question. What? White. Okay. Well, that's very unique. I, I'm not so sure I've ever seen a white one. Have you seen it a was, white one before? I have seen pictures of a white one before, but I've never okay. seen one in person. I think it would have to be white. There are plenty of silver ones out there, and I would want a white yep. car, possibly make the roof black, but that would be the dream. Yeah. That Well, that's quite a dream, my friend. You know, I was at uh, Car Week one year with my son when he was quite small. I think he was nine years old. And a guy pulled up in front of the lodge at Pebble Beach in a silver McLaren F1 covered in bugs with Colorado license plates. He had just <laughs> driven to the Pebble Beach Concours in his – I thought, that is so cool. And he climbed out of that thing, and we were talking to him. He let my son climb in and sit in that center seat. And, uh, yeah, I thought, man, this is cool. This guy actually gets out and drives his car. What fun that must have been. Well, Lance, you've taken us on a very fun ride around the track today. I knew you would. I really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and the Cars yeah audience. Could you give us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that white McLaren F1? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, my biggest piece of advice is life is full of challenges, full of adversity, but there is always a way. And if you want to take the time and you are really passionate about something, it doesn't matter what the obstacle is. Uh, I think human beings are incredible uh, and you'll find a way to overcome it. Absolutely. Very nice uh, inspirational words there. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and what you're doing these days? Best way is my Instagram. It's Lance Bergstein 36. That is the most up to date. Facebook as well. You know, Lance Bergstein on Facebook. Always happy to connect with fellow car enthusiasts. But uh, for all of the racing stuff, uh, Instagram is definitely the best way. And it gives you a little sneak peek into what's going on behind the scenes. I try and make it a little bit more fun uh, than some of the other social media outlets. Very cool. Well, listeners, I'll make sure I put links to those on Lance's show notes page and the Cars yeah website. Just go to CarsYow.com, type Lance into the search bar, and his page will pop right up. I'll encourage you to follow him on his racing. Keep in touch with him. I'll be doing the same. And I want to Big shout out to Ayanna who helped us, Ayanna Young, who helped us from JDRF. She connected Lance and I. Uh, go and check out JDRF and what they're doing. If you have family, friends, members of the family that are dealing with type 1 diabetes, uh, this is an awesome resource. Or if you just want to learn more about it, and if you want to support them, there are plenty of ways to do that. Lance, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Safe racing uh, there at Coda in the 24-hour that you're up to. That sounds like a lot of fun. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. You take care of your cars. 
but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.